evening, everyone. I am your host, Reverend Savannah Treewalker, the Order of Standing Oak, and Theofrith Jessup of Raven Temple of Seax Wicca. And you are here with me again for another Thursday night episode of the show, Pagan Perspectives, here on Blog Talk Radio. I hope you guys have had a great week. It's God's have seen fit to give us a lot of rain, a lot of really warm temperatures, and then a lot of like wind. And we've had gusts here in the 40 mile an hour range and stuff like that. And it's just been like, it's been crazy. I'm just waiting for winter to pop its head back up, hit us just a little bit, and then let us move on so that we can prepare for Beltane. So I'm not putting my guard down just yet. Although this next coming week, we do have a bunch of rain coming for us. So keep an eye out. And uh, yeah, last week's show was awesome. Um, we had uh, a lot of fun talking about green witchcraft. And we've got some shows coming up next week, next Thursday, this same bat time. We're going to be talking and asking the question, what is Siax Wicca? That's, tradi- that's the tradition that I practice. And it was my fortunate uh, honor to be able to interviewed Raymond Buckland before he passed, and Dr. Buckland kind of, you know, gave me a a, a foundation as a young witch because back many years ago, I got my very first copy of Buckland's Complete Book of Witchcraft, Big Blue, and then I came interested into his uh, work on divination, other witchcraft books and stuff like that, and eventually I picked up a copy of his book, The Tree, a book of Anglo-Saxon witchcraft. And um, we talked about the tradition when we when we did his interview. I'll put a link to that. That interview is held in posterity right now on YouTube. So I encourage you to go check out my channel, Pagan Perspectives, uh, a Pagan Perspective on YouTube. We've got a lot of cool videos there. But uh, so we've got that, and then in April it'll be my pleasure to have on the show. Llewellyn author Lisa Wagner to talk about her book, The Positive Pagan, and that's going to be real fun. And then at the end of March, the end of this month, so you guys that are out there listening, you need to uh, get in here, and and, uh, there's a giveaway for a copy of The Witch's Bible by Janet and Stuart Ferrer. And all you got to do is send me an email to S-Y-L-V-A-N-U-S-93 at hotmail.com and – Somewhere in the in the uh, title, put witchcraft book, and then in the body, just give me your name and that you are in the drawing. And what I'm going to do on that last Thursday of the month, I'll reach into the magic hat, pull out a name, and whoever um, uh, it is, we're going to send that book to you. Also, during the month that we have Lisa Wagner on the show, we will have a copy of her book, Positive Pagan. Up for grabs to any listener, but we're going to talk about how you can win that. We've got some things that we're talking about on how people can win that. So, But right now, there's with that going on. But tonight, one of the things that I'm really excited for for this show, we're talking about the past and the future. Let's talk about right now. Tonight, we're talking about the world of tarot. And, you know, one of the things that I've always thought about, you know, even in folklore 
and popular myth and things like that is the idea of not just the witches standing around the cauldron, you know, and and chanting and doing a spell, but also the witch at the table reading tarot, seeing what the cards said. And, you know, there are many, many forms of divination, runes, stones, and all that, and I love them all. I love divination. But I think for me the thing that really sticks out the most is tarot. Uh, tarot in all of its forms, you know, um, uh, cartouche and some of the uh, uh, lesser decks. You know, there's there's decks that only have just a few cards. Tarot decks have 78 cards in them, so that's a lot of, of sim- symbology to be working with. And um, there's uh, a, a lot uh, interspersed between the ideas of, of you know, the ancient uh, ceremonial magicians in Egypt and stuff. There was the cartouche that they had then. So there was all kinds of – there was always some kind of cartomancy that was going on uh, in the early times, and that's where we get, you know – the images that are the, the standard tarot images that everyone sees in the Rider Waite, which that's the deck I have with me tonight. And any references that I make to a tarot card, other than certain ones that we're going to talk about here in just a few, a few uh, everything that I'm talking about is the aspect of coming from that deck. And some people say, well, that's the standard deck, but you know, I uh, people have always said that to them. Either a that the rider weight was very dry in 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 what the plates put out there, and they needed something to spice it up. Well, I mean, okay, that that's great. Some people, I go by the idea that some decks speak to you. Some decks, you look at it and you go, no, like I'm not going to be using a, t- a Pokemon tarot deck, but something like the the uh, rider weight or the Robin Wood tarot. Or the Witch's Tarot by Ellen Cannon Reed, or you know, Dragon Tarot, and on and on and on, because these are the ones to me that, and then you know, I have my Ogum cards too. Actually, I have one deck of Ogum cards, uh, a complete set of runes, and a rune deck that's like two inches or three inches away from me that I got from my good friend Alaric Albertson. But you know, so that's one thing. It's like the idea that. Uh, it, it, it's it's detached from witchcraft. No, 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 my friends. And we're going to talk about that tonight. You know, what are the connections between witchcraft practices and what we do with the tarot? How do we uh, how do we see the role of tarot in what we do? And we'll also we're going to talk about just briefly about the idea of tarot and ceremonial magic because I mean. That's basically the whole world of ceremonial magic. When you look at you know things that go with uh, the Golden Dawn and stuff like that, it's like the tarot is the tarot is what it is. It's 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 those ritual representations that show you know other things, and it's like that's one thing that's kind of hard for a lot of witches is how do we how do we tie other images that may not seem comfortable to us into our practice so we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff like that tonight we're going to have great music and if you're out there i encourage you to come to the chat and hang out with us all you got to do is go to www.blogtalkradio.com 
forward slash pagan perspectives and come hang out in the chat. And tonight we have Lodge uh, Magician, my good buddy. He's been coming and showing up for uh, 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 quite a while now, and I really appreciate him being able here to be here and support the show. Um, but so yeah, we've got a lot to talk about that. But before we do, I'm going to go ahead and give you guys a little bit of uh, music, and then we'll come back. And this, my friends, is Fairground Attraction here on Pagan Perspectives. <laughs> If on cares and then we sever, if there we
All right, that was Fairground Attraction and Afon Kiss. And I love good music, and I hope you guys are having a great night. Tonight we're talking about the world of tarot and witchcraft. And if you've got an opinion, then I encourage you to call in with a comment, question, or a story about what is your outlook on tarot and witchcraft. The number to call is 563-999-3644. And uh, to kind of go into it first, I kind of have to relate some things about how uh, my early years, my early years in the craft. Um, Every year, or we tried to every year, there was a time when we used to go to a local uh, pagan festival, Heartland Pagan Pagan Fest in McClough, Kansas. Beautiful land, beautiful place out in the country with just a bunch of friendly pagans doing what we do and there for a while the each year we you know we would go and it would get bigger and bigger and bigger you know the first year i went there there was just a very few people but then the last year that i was able to afford to go uh, unfortunately festivals are not very cheap anymore um there was a time where me and my high priestess's daughter katie and her boyfriend and a rogue uh, animal that we brought with us. We brought a uh, – what's those little things that – oh, ferrets. I keep that. What are the things that stink up your house? Because ferrets kind of do stink up your house. But there was the four of us, and we went to Heartland. And you know, I, being very young into that time, we had – this was in 1997, and I, I had really you – know, I was still kind of going through the basics. And getting used to the cycles of things, and you know, finding out what divinations that divination tools and stuff that I kind of was able to, you know, gravitate to. And as a matter of fact, this deck that I have with me uh, here on the table is a deck of Rider Waits that I bought, I think, just a week after I was initiated. So, yeah, these are dang near thirty years old and something. And I've taken really good care of them. That's one thing that, you know, it's like I'm just a very much a stickler about keeping my divinatory tools in good shape because then that way, um, you know, it's like the better you take care of your things, the, you know, they're going to last you longer and they're going to gain more energy. Uh, and you know, that's another thing that we're going to talk about tonight. <clears throat> Excuse me, talk about tonight is, you know, Dealing with the newcomers to this because there's people that are have been you know in the world of tarot and working tarot in in various manners in their witchcraft practices, but then there's the people that are completely new, and we've got you covered too. It's like when we were at this festival, we went down to what they had like a a jam session where some bands would come out and we play they play good music. And these were pagan bands, mind you, and drummers and things like that. And we were in this like overhead gazebo thing with uh, uh, sawdust and chips down on the ground and wooden folding chairs. And then this kind of sloping hill that went up behind it for us that wanted to sit out there kind of in the sunshine. And they could sit down you know, under the lights and everything. And me, Katie, and uh, Storm and the ferret are sitting there. And we're talking, and the bands are doing their thing. 
And this this lady comes up to us, an older lady that was older than us at least, with black hair and kind of a dark complexion. And she sits down and she starts talking to us. And uh, I go, do I recognize you? And she goes, you might recognize me. She goes, I'm a writer, and uh, I did not know it, but sitting right next to us uh, on that day was Witch and author Ellen Cannon Reed. And it was so cool. She was so sweet. She sat there and drank mead with us and played with uh, um, Storm's Ferret. And then when the music got really going, she got up and joined in Witch's Dance. And then another time, her and Katie were at the front front of this like line, and they were doing a snake dance in between all of the rows of chairs. Nobody was in the chairs. Everybody got up and kind of started just doing this impromptu snake dance. And uh, it was so cool to meet her, and I seen her around the festival and stuff like that. And I had had some of her books. I still have her books. The two books that we're going to talk about tonight is The Witch's Tarot, which is book two of The Witch's Kabbalah, and book one, which is The Goddess in the Tree. And the things that I really appreciate about her deck, to know what her deck is, it's the deck that has the uh, black uh, shiny surface with the silver pinnacle, and then the, the, the images are very, uh, very stoic and, and, and inflated and just very – Beautiful and very, very witchy and very, very pagan at the same time. But one of the things I think that made Ellen so cool was also the fact that she was a witch and a Kabbalist. Ergo, we have the witch's Kabbalah right here. But the thing that I think is so cool about that is because for me, I'm so hardcore into two things. The, the, the Druidic side of things, the Anglo-Saxon side of things is what I'm starting to get into. Norse Gale and uh, uh, stuff like that, and it's like uh, you, you know, there's so many different outlooks on Kabbalah that it's for me. I'm more centered towards my sphere, the the Jewish symbolism and all that stuff. But I can uh, like like look at the Celtic symbolism and all this other stuff. And that's where we get books like The Celtic Golden Dawn written by John Michael Greer and others. But even that, with these two books that Ellen Cannon wrote, it showed the importance of tarot because her deck is just – it's evocative. And th that deck I have put up. I very rarely bring it out because it's got such an energy to it that it, it, it has more purpose to it. This – deck that I have right here in my hand and I'm going through it and I'm looking at the cups and the ace of cups and the ten of cups and the swords and oh my god I pulled eight cards before I even hit a, a minor arcana excuse me but it's like just holding these cards and all of the readings that I've done for myself readings that I've done for other people and, and things like that and it's just like over the years these cards, to me, have built up a lot of energy, and you know that's the one thing that we do a lot of is where we incorporate uh, the idea of tarot for readings and stuff like that for personal. But I think another thing that we can focus on in tonight's show is the fact 
that tarot can be important in ritual before, during, and after ritual as a matter of fact, and we'll kind of break that down right now. What would you do with tarot before a ritual or spell? Well, I like to look at the lay of the land because if you know if you're really going to work for it, um, one of the things that I look at is planetary movements, the put position of the moon and the sun at the time that I'm wanting to do an operation. Um, I look at factors of how my how I feel. What my intuition says about an upcoming working, and whenever you take the time to do whatever kind of reading or pre-ritual check that you need to with the tarot and however you do it, um, that can put you on a good footing of knowing uh, you know, how to proceed with what you're wanting to do and then you know, act accordingly. Then the next part of it is, okay, you've done the reading for yourself, and you figured out, okay, I want to be able to do it at such and such a time, this, that, and the other thing. And my feeling is uh, that you know, it's the energy that I'm going to put into this will have some kind of manifestation. It's like my thing is like you know, some people say that you should do magic every day. Yes, you should do magic every day, but every day that you do do magic, you should know what it is. And why you're doing it, because if you do the same thing over and over and over again, which repetition is good, but if you're doing something that becomes such a generalization that eventually it's going to cheapen what you're what you're trying to do. And that's another thing I think uh, as an example, what I think people can do is like, let's say you set up an altar space and you have a temple and you are setting up your quarters. One thing that I would personally do is find a tarot card that is evocative of the season and what the quarter represents, earth, air, fire, water, spirit, and then put cards at those quarters and focus on them for a little bit before you go through before before time, before actually putting the operation together, and just envision what the cards are, see them set in their space, in their places, uh, that are you know set up for your ritual, and then just attune with it. Chant the cards' names, touch them, you know, put them back, uh, put specific stones with them. Don't be afraid to augment what the cards are and what they do. And then you know you can uh, you know put various tarot cards on the altar to represent uh, aspects of your. You know, the Lord and Lady or whatever your deities are. There are so many different ways that you can include tarot um, into uh, your your ritual and, and spell work and stuff. And we're going to talk more about that. We're going to talk about some of the books that I recommend for people that are wanting to kind of check this out and see where – as a matter of fact, when we were talking about the Green Witchcraft books, by the way, last week from Ann Mora… Uh, parts one, two, and three, every single one of those books at some point, whenever she, there was times that she would do readings before she went to collect herbs, and there were uh, uh, times that she did uh, tarot readings uh, a couple days before a ritual to kind of you know set up the energy for that. Um, uh, uh, you know, it's like it's like there's so many things that you can do. Let me see. 
Donald Tyson wrote a really good book called Portable Magic, which talks about using the tarot as a portable temple for magical work. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I said, like I say, that's a very good thing, Lodge, Ma Lodge Magician. Um, you can look at, uh, you know, we cast a circle, we put the energy into it and stuff, but we can also uh, use the tarot as focal points to strengthen what we're doing when we cast a circle. That's very cool. That's a very cool idea. But, uh, yeah, so we've got – and if you can, these two books, the uh, Witch's Kabbalah Book 2, which is the Witch's Tarot, and basically this book has all of the images and uh, a lot of stories about the interpretations and symbolism. There are a ton of spreads in the back that show uh, you know, what these cards can mean and stuff. And then there's about 40 pages in the back of appendices, and the reason why I don't have The Goddess and the Tree up here on the table with me is because that book has gone through some wear and tear, and even with it being you know, taped up and stuff, I, I keep it so that whenever I really want to read it, but I'm not going to keep pulling it in and out. But I do have The Witch's Tarot here with me, and you know, it was so cool to get to meet her. You know, I've talked to Dr. Buckland, I've talked to other authors, but it was very, very cool to meet her and to meet uh, Alaric Albertson and all these other people because, you know, then you can see that it's, uh, and I've met Silver Ravenwolf too. Um, it's like that the people that are writing the books that are kind of imparting the knowledge to us, they're human, they're real, they're accessible to a degree. So it's like, you know, we're not. We're not flying by the seat of our pants, as it were. There's a lot of learning to go on. And uh, I just want to say I hope you guys are having a great night. I encourage you to come and hang out with me and uh, Lodge Magician. All you got to do is come to www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pagan Perspectives. Also, if you've got a question or you want to kind of impart something about the tarot that would uh, enhance the, the discussion – then just give us a call, 563-999-3644, and we're going to give you guys a little bit of some music, and then we'll be back and continue talking about the world of tarot in witchcraft. Yeah. 
stars in the meadow circle near an old oak tree at the times appointed by the seasons of the earth and the phases of the moon in the center stood a woman equal with the others and respected for Healer, 
teacher, our mother, a weaver of a web of life that keeps us all alive. She gives us the vision to see through the chaos. She gives us the courage. It is our will to survive. Do you have Celtic roots? Are your ancestors from Ireland or Scotland or Wales? From Cornwall, Brittany, the Isle of Man or Gaul? Do you love stories and tales? Ancient myths, legends and folklore of the Celtic peoples? Do you want to hear more about King Arthur, Gwydion, Taliesin, Cuchulain, wild magic and the realms of the other world? Do you want to hear about the old gods, druids and fairies in a way that they're not just dusty, dry words on a page? Then you need the Celtic Myth Podshow, available from CelticMythPodshow.com. In the days when the world was young, the days when the air was clean and the dew was fresh upon the grass, Listen well, for I have tidings for you. Warriors are coming from across the sea. Strange. Take this message back with you. Tell the fear bold that they must give my people either battle or live in peace in half of Erin. On my word, I should prefer to give you half of Erin than to face your weapons. The Celtic Myth Podshow will bring you the bravery of heroes and heroines, the magnificent pantheon of gods and goddesses, and the magic and wonder of druids, fairies, and folklore. Our ancestors would listen to these stories as told to them by their bards. They wouldn't read them in books. This podcast brings the magic of sound back into our legends. A new episode comes out twice a month and builds into a complete collection of tales from Celtic mythology. So just sit down, get comfortable, and join us every other week. Listen to news, chat, and a story from Celtic mythology with the Celtic Myth Podshow from CelticMythPodshow.com. That's CelticMythPodshow.com. All right, we're back, and I love the Celtic Myth Pod Show. I've known them for years. They've been around since the old show was on. I'm your host, Reverend Samastri Walker, the order standing of Theophrith Joseph of Raven Temple. And before we go on, I just want to let you guys know that uh, we've got a lot coming up in the end of the month, the end of of, uh, March. We've got Full Moon coming up, and we just finished Full Moon here uh, last week. And it was great. We had uh, a new person that came, and it was really cool to meet her. Uh, so that was very awesome. Then we've got Full Moon. And then in uh, uh, April, we've got two – well, we've got three things coming up. We've got – in the beginning of the month, we're going to be doing a local blessing of the familiars. So what that's going to entail is we're going to have people from the pagan community bring up their bubbas and chonkers and dogs and every little pet that they want to, and we're going to bring them out to our local park here and uh, give them a, a blessing of uh, the good boys and good girls. There's going to be treats for the doggos and the cats, and we're going to get the blessings of the gods and Mother Earth to them because of like, you know, we do so much stuff for us, but they take us and get us through so many struggles. So our cats and our dogs are going to get the royal treatment on that day, and we're going to have hang out and just have a great day. And then 
on the weekend of April 27th here in Springfield, Missouri, we will be having the annual Beltane in the Park 2024. And we've been doing Beltane in the Park here since 2016. And it is just, it's been awesome. You know, we've, we've really enjoyed it. Uh, the only thing that got dampened for that was whenever COVID came through. But then after COVID had kind of died back a little bit, we jumped back into it with, with both feet. And it was so cool to be able to do that. And, you know, if you want to learn more about what we've got going on, then all you got to do is check us out on Facebook. You can check me out at Raven Temple, H-R-A-F-N, Temple of Siaxwicka. And we're there, and we've got people, new people coming in all the time, learning about the tradition. And it's kind of our, our hub where we keep uh, everybody apprised of everything. And then also, um, I'm getting ready to do several new videos for the YouTube channel. Like I said, Pagan Perspective on YouTube. Uh, you can just look up Raven Temple. Anything that's a video that says Raven Temple, that's us, and we're on there too. And also, uh, if you would like to uh, help the show grow and expand and, and do some things, then by all means, feel free to uh, support us on Patreon. One of the things that I want to do with Patreon is take what uh, uh, people pledge there and put it to the community. Like recently, we had the Springfield Community Wiccan Church uh, meeting, and we talked about you know helping. We've got right now we have one of our members of the board of directors who's out there currently put together a Pagans in Recovery group. For those that have addictions, plus we are wanting to, you know, really open up uh, and and be more uh, in not just inclusive but more helpful to our LGBTQ brothers and sisters. So we want to help them. So what we're going to do is where I'm getting ready to open uh, our official uh, Pagan Perspectives from Blog Talk Radio and everything all together. We're going to have a Discord, and then what I want to do is I want to have Members-only Discord uh, sessions, members-only podcasts, members-only videos, and all that, and take those proceeds. Another thing that we want to do is start to uh, put together a database somehow of, you know, help pagans helping pagans. You know, we've got so many mothers that sometimes they need help with their babies uh, or, you know, just a minute where somebody can watch their kids for like an hour while they go and get groceries and stuff. and and we want it to be safe and everything. We just, you know, we're not going to do this willy-nilly. But we want to be able to help our young folks. We're going to put together, because a lot of day, you know, a lot of the ritual that we do is uh, the parents and older folks uh, centric. And we don't tend to do very much for the kids. And I think that there are some mothers that are just chomping at the bit here in our area that would really like to get out there and be uh, you know, uh, helpful to our pagan kids, doing something like a pagan version of uh, Cub Scouts, like they have the Spiral Scouts. So we got, so we're gonna put all that information for the for uh, Raven Temple and the Patreon and all that stuff in the show notes so that you guys can help. And I've been looking, and we are getting close to even since uh, I started doing. Uh, redos of some of the episodes and doing new episodes uh, through Audacity about five months ago, 
And even with this, I've checked out all of the stats. And just in five months, uh, we are like uh, 89 or 99 away from 200 downloads. So feel free to download the show. And what I mean download the show, after we get done tonight, it'll be about four or five minutes after. And they will have it come up on the cloud, and there'll be a download button. Take it with you. Take it in the car. Pass it off to a friend, you know, and uh, tell them about Pagan Perspective because we're back, and we're going to have some really good shows. One of our shows coming up for those interested in ceremonial magic, we are going to be tackling the uh, the one of the main symbols that has just been such an important uh, part of the Golden Dawn and everything else in between, uh, the Rose Cross. And we've had folks like Juan Milo Duquette and others that have recently been really breaking it down, and I'm going to add some thoughts about it too. Uh, the Rose Cross is a very – it can be an intimidating symbol, which it is. All ceremonial magical things can be intimidating, but whenever you look at it, what it's representing altogether – it's very, very cool. Like an example of a tradition that works with that was Alexandrian witchcraft. They worked with elements of uh, uh, working with the Rose Cross and some other stuff that they incorporated into their tradition. So that particular symbol is very important in a lot of places. So we're going to be doing that. We're going to have interviews and so much other stuff. And I want you guys to be able to come along for the ride. And, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of people go, well, I'm not so great at tarot. Well, first off, if, if you, you, want to, you want to kind of hone in that in this time of your life, are you actually interested in working with the tarot? Because, uh, you know, some people, no matter what, if you stick a, a pack of cards in their hands, they look at it like you've just stuck a hot potato into it. It's like, what is this? And stuff. And other people, you give them some runes, or, or you give them, you know, a, a, a black mirror or whatever. They just gravitate to these other things. And sometimes you can tell by your own heart and the way things make you just make you feel about a situation. You can tell whether or not tarot is actually for you. And I love the tarot. I think. Tarot for me is a bedrock of my divinatory practices. I do a lot of other stuff. I have a video on tarot and cardamancy on uh, my YouTube channel. And also another part of that is I use older techniques that were more folklorishly connected, such as smoking the billet. There's a video of me taking about 25 minutes and and uh, you know sitting in in a darkened ritual space and smoking the billet. And so that's a very, you know, I like to get very hands-on with things, and I think the tarot, and in that way, it's very tactile. It's very you're feeling the cards, you're feeling the energy of the cards as you shuffle them, and then when everything starts to come into place, you're looking at this story put before you in the images that are on the plates, the cards, and so there's a whole lot there to deal with but you know if you feel that you are drawn to it then start small find a deck that you know you don't have to buy a 75 or 100 dollar 
Salvador Dali, Universal Dali deck, or any of those fancy ones, just find one. If you like the cat deck, get the cat deck. If you like the Arthurian Tarot, you like that more Camelot and, and Knights of the Round Table kind of aesthetic that those cards represent. Um, uh, you know, there are so many different tarot decks out there that you can get that, you know, can, can fit the bill. So you've gone out and you have bought yourself a deck. One thing that I recommend is if you go out and get some of the new tarot decks, look for the ones that not only have the tarot deck with it, but they might have a book, you know, like uh, the Robin Wood Tarot had a big book. And I'm not talking the book that comes in the little box. I'm talking a book written by Robin Wood that talks about the cards because there's a lot of information that they put in that book that you're not necessarily going to find in that little pamphlet inside of your box. And then you, people go, okay, well, so I've got this and I've got that. You know, what's the next thing to do? I think uh, uh, if you're wanting to kind of uh, learn – don't go and get the Encyclopedia Britannica Tarot. Start simple, and I've got a couple books right here in my hot little hands that I think, for me anyway, um, you know, are some of the, the books that anybody that wants to get a little bit of an impression of what the tarot is. My first book that I have right here in my hand is Mastering the Tarot by Eden Gray. Um, it says Basic Lessons in an ancient mystic art. And this Mastering the Tarot is a pretty good book. I've had it for many years. It is very dog-eared. I have used the crap out of it. It gives you ideas because another thing is like I'm a believer in the idea of not everything is cut and dry. So you have the classic interpretations of a card, and then you have what you see. I am one of those that is – I'm more of a uh, a, a, pic, a picturematic kind of, of reader. You know, I don't necessarily have to go by I, – I, I go by the general idea if it's earth, air, fire, water, uh, what the symbolism means. Is it major or minor arcana, that whole thing, but it's still the idea of you know where we uh, work with it. Another thing that I have right here is – and this is by Sylvia Abraham, and this is a Llewellyn book. It's Llewellyn's How to Use Tarot Spreads. Once you start learning the cards, uh, you're going to need to know what are some of the tarot spreads. My favorite spread, I hate to say it. Um, you know, People will probably laugh at me, but mine is the good old standby three-card draw. And then also I like the Celtic cross because it's deep enough that where you know you can get answers and things that you need as far as within a reading situation. Uh, I think another thing that is cool is if you can uh, practice, practice on friends, you know, practice learning what what the cards feel like to you because then. Once you can get that idea of what the cards are, what that energy is in a divinatory sense, then you can start putting them into uh, your ritual. One thing that I would also think about doing is a, a taking your deck of cards and on a night that's close to a full moon, 
take it outside, set it on a tray or a platter of some kind that you have, have ritually charged, and put a crystal on top and let that deck be bathed in, in the moonlight, full moonlight. And then bring the deck in, wrap it in linen or whatever, or just place it back in its appropriate box and have it ready. And what I like to do is I don't like to put it out every month, but what I'll do is every every six months, I will put them outside either in the sun or in the moonlight to get charged. And then because I also believe that these are uh, receptacles of energy. And if you don't use them for a long time, um, they might not have that – you might not have that feeling that you knew that you are connected to that deck. But if you can keep their vibrations up just enough, then you'll know that you still have uh, the uh, ability to you know, work with them. Another book that I have right here, and this is uh, – uh, one that I highly recommend. This is Tarot Spells by Janina Renee, and this thing's about 300 pages, and it is so cool because there are the spreads, the cards used in the spreads, the affirmations, the chants, things that you can put on the altar, and stuff like that, various candles. As an example, just think what I would do is like on the altar – Clear it off except for, you know, a chalice and whatever other uh, basic items that you need. And then in the center space, I would set a card that, that uh, represented uh, use and then an open space and then a card that represented uh, advancement, aging, the crone sage dynamic, whatever. And then that empty space in the middle would represent uh, what is uh, – uh, right now, and then you can put above those tar those tarot cards appropriate candles of, of the color that uh, are associated best for you with those cards, and then whenever you do that also, I would keep uh, uh, anointing oils to anoint the candles, and I would keep appropriate stones nearby to add to this, and then you can take that center spot and you know do a shuffle. And really fill the energy of, your card, energy of your cards, and lay that middle card, and whatever that middle card, whatever that middle card is, for you, that can become a focal point of what you can uh, do to uh, manifest your work. And the reason why I have it on, on the idea of uh, the first card being of of use, and then the uh, last card being of something of age. It's because that's what we are. We start as, as the young of the past, and we're looking to the future of, of our age, but we're here right now, and that's why that middle card is left open because we're the ones that are going to have to pull it. And I think if that pull is, is something that is amenable to the situation uh, or it, it might – you know, there might be something that would make you think in another direction – of what you what you wanted to do, um, I think a lot of that becomes organic because once you see those cards, another thing that I would do is I would to chant the names of the cards. I could create incantations for the spell itself that incorporate uh, these cards and stuff like that, and have you know everything else going. If you want incense burning and the whole nine yards, then that's what you can do. 
But I think even just before you start getting into the spell work aspect, work with the cards. Really know them. One thing that I very first did with this deck was I sat on my living room floor in front of my altar, and I basically spread them around in a circle and then sat inside that circle with just one lone candle, and I just started looking at the cards. I just kind of turned and looked around and looked at what I could see in that circle around me and let those images just continually kind of run through my mind. And that's another thing is working with the tarot is another thing that is important for witches because what does this stimulate? Our ability to visualize, and visualization is as important. Ask anybody that's done the lesser vanishing ritual of the pentagram. You've got to have good visualization skill to be able to visualize flaming pentagrams out and about and around you. It's not, you know, you have to have, uh, 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 you know, that ability. And yes, uh, isn't uh, Lodge Magician says Builders of the Edenum has one of the best tarot courses available? Yes, they do. Now, uh, tell me if I'm wrong or if I'm thinking of another deck, Lodge Magician. Is the Builders of the Edenum one the uh, blank weight deck where you color it in? With the colors, I think I, if that's not the Builders of a Dedham deck, I've, I'm thinking of something else. But there is one of the decks that it's basically um, a version of the Rider Waits, and then you color it in with markers or watercolors or whatever. And uh, yeah, don't be afraid to, t- to take a tarot course if you can find a tarot course online, um, because it's this is like I said, I'm a believer in the idea that. Working with tarot, working with any divinatory tool, it's like building your psychic muscle. And the more you do it, the bigger it's going to get, the better it's going to get. So basically, you know, do with your friends. I've done readings for friends. I've done readings for skeptics. I've done readings for people that were high and just thought, ha, 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 ha. And I did a reading for them, and then they came back and they go, I'm sorry I was such a jerk. I was drunk or had been smoking or whatever, but even through their haze of their mind, they came back and it was like they couldn't believe because that just so that people know if you're listening out there, the tarot does not uh, uh, does not uh, 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 assert any kind of power on your life. Basically, the tarot shows a roadmap of what could be because of the simple fact that even though something is seen or maybe posited. In the cards and how you're reading them, all of that is it's it's just a possibility. We live our lives. That's one of the reasons why uh, I have a, a no a no policy of if somebody asks me if I will show when they're going to die, I won't do that because it's not up to me. I don't have that power. Your your life is is here because of the norns, and when it's time for your part of the of the twine to be cut you know that's going to be up to that it's not you know it's it's but the thing is you can affect it people say you can't affect fate yes you can if you take good care of yourself and don't smoke and uh you know do a lot of overly bad habits to your body you can have a long life our bodies are all going to you know collapse one day but we can have uh, I think the reason why that I'm still here, as a matter of fact, for my life, I'm going to be 58 in June, and it's like I just want to keep going and helping people. Plus, I've got family members that are still alive 
that I really want to be here for. So I'm trying to do better. I'm trying to take better care of my health and other things. And so it's like – and this is like – I think another thing that's good about being able to include tarot and witchcraft is because it becomes the gauge that we can watch to see if things are getting ready to blow. Um, another thing is like for myself, my rule is I never read, my, read for myself more than twice a year. Um, uh, you know, I mean, my thing is I like to see, I like to get readings from other readers because of the fact that I'm a believer that if I do too many readings for myself, that I become, either either things that I'm seeing in the readings are going to become a self-fulfilling prophecy or that I can have wishful, wishful thinking and kind of try to influence things in a way that might've been positive with the cards. And you know that's cool. We do as witches. We want to be able to to do positive things, but you know it's like I'm one of those people that I don't like to buck karmic repercussions, and so it's like it's a balance. And the gods know it's a balance. That's why the Egyptian gods and all these other places that have had cardomancy of some sort for centuries. That's what they're here for. These are kind of like our signposts, you know, and. Uh, it's like I believe that everybody has a chance to, uh, you know, make a mark for themselves and in the world. And I think that anybody. One another thing is like I'm a believer in that if a brother or sister comes to me and they ask for a reading, I'm not going to be there going, okay, you got to give me ninety bucks or something crazy like that. It's like my thing is. I'm a believer in energy for energy, but that doesn't always have to mean money because I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of poor pagans. And if you're out there listening and you know, give me a hell yeah, because you know there are rich people that are pagan, but there's just as many that are scraping by on food stamps and, and other stuff in there. you know. And those are the ones that are really – some people say that witchcraft is and, and, Wicca and, and paganism in general isn't a faith. Yeah, it is. Just we're not we're not the same as everybody else. The way we go about things, that's why we do spells. That's why we read tarot. That's why we have rituals that follow the seasons, that follow the times of the sun and the moon. You know, uh, we do drawing down of the moon. We do drawing down of the sun. Um, we do the great rite and all these things to acknowledge. We've got Beltane coming up. Uh, this uh, end of the month in, in March, we've got the storm moon, and what we're going to be focusing on for our full moon is dealing with the beginnings of fertility because Beltane's coming up, and uh, you know dealing with that growing energy, that stormy, you know, liquid world of things, and we've got a lot of stuff planned for that. But it's like uh, the, the tarot that you do. Tarot can be seasonal too. Um, I would say that you know that you can take the cards that deal with you know uh, winter, fall, all of that stuff, and and keep those around and keep them out and keep images. Don't just have, don't just have your tarot decks. There is I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but um, but they're kind of expensive. But if you have the kind of taste, they have a place that's called Displate, and Displate sells these. Uh, 
heavy metal. They're not heavy metal, but they are heavy metal. But these metal plates that you can stick on your wall, and they can be pictures of Batman and all this other stuff. But for us pagan folk, they have the entire deck of the, the entire Rider weight deck uh, available on I think they're eight by twelves or whatever, and you can put those in various spots around the house and use them as talismans for protection of a room and various things because uh you know even just looking we're gonna look at some of the cards we're not gonna do any of the uh numbered cards but we've got we've got you know the symbolism on the ace of cups and uh the knight cards the knight of pentacles and temperance and then of course probably the most famous card in the deck next to the fool is the magician and the magician i believe uh, as a Thelemite and a member of the Golden Dawn, uh, working in that vein and stuff, I believe that the, that the Magician, the Fool and the Magician, those two cards will always represent us, period. And then we have, I think, one of my favorites, I think one of my favorites that is just a, a regular suited card is the Ace of Pentacles. Um, and then you got the people that are feared. Don't be afraid of the cards, guys. The cards aren't gonna feel they were the, the aren't tarot like the Ouija board. Won't, if you read the tarot, won't a demon come out and eat me and all that? No, a demon is not gonna jump out and eat you unless. And here's another thing: be be mindful of if you work directly with the tarot in some kind of ritual uh, setting to be prepared. Have your 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 guards up, your shields up, ritually, spiritually, mind. Another thing that is a good idea um, on the night of an operation where you are going to employ the tarot for whatever reason, make sure that you feel good. Um, you know, drink plenty of water, and you know, keep your mind in a good space. Uh, you know, uh, I wouldn't get overly drunk. Although tonight I'm enjoying some good green herb and. A last of a bottle of cranberry apple mead, which, by the way, uh, if you hear a bloop every so often, that bloop is a carboy in my kitchen of some Concord grape mead, all grape all the time. And I'm going to leave this in probably till the end of March and then bottle it. Yeah, so it's got grape, and it's got a very dark uh, basswood honey in it. And this is going to be like table wine on steroids. It's beautiful. Uh, as it bubbles, it goes to the top of the the, the uh, airlock, and there's these little holes that are up there that lets those little burps out. And it makes my house because it, it it's so regular. It's like one of those uh, uh, room fresheners. They sell at Walmart and all that stuff. That smells like uh, like uh, Catholic sacramental wine. And I've had Catholic sacramental wine before, but this is my own thing. But uh, you know, make sure that you are in a good state of mind and stuff, and be prepared because you know, uh, like Poke Runyon has said, magic, even low or high, it's like a martial art. You've got to give it respect because if you don't give it respect, there's going to be something that you're going to do that you might have done the wrong because. There, there are times for certain prescribed rituals that things kind of have to be a certain way because it's like dialing you know, somebody's phone number and dialing a six instead of a nine. 
you know, you, you, you were close, but it didn't. And because of the fact that you're close and not exactly right on, then whatever it is that you're trying to do can fizzle. And that's another thing. One thing that I highly recommend, like with any magical operation, as we were talking last week on Green Witchcraft, is the idea of, of not just having your Book of Shadows or your uh, ceremonial grimoire around or whatever that you're writing things down in, but have a book set aside where you put nothing but what you do for divination, whether it's tarot and, and so on and so forth, but how you use them, when you use them, what they were, what rituals they were involved in, and all this stuff. And then once you've got that information down, you can look, you know, within a day or a week or however long that you're working to get things to manifest, and you can start to write down results. What do you think is good? What do you think is bad? And see, that's like, you know, magicians and pagans alike. We we have the idea that we want to do better, you know, because I think whenever uh, I've always had people, well, I'm afraid to do ritual because I might knock over a candle. Well, if you knock over a candle, be careful, have water around and, you know, ready. But, you know, don't be afraid. Get up off the floor, get another candle or, or, you know, take care of it and you'll be okay. You know, magic is something to embrace. And we're going to get back here in just a little bit. We're going to talk about some more about what tarot is and how um, it can be uh, em- employed in our life. But before we get on with that, I'm going to give you guys a little bit more uh, uh, music. And let's see if I can give you guys something with a little bit of oomph to it tonight. Ah, yes. This is Dave the Bard. And I'll win here on Pagan Perspectives. Oh, sorry, that was not okay. Well, maybe. All right, looks like Blog Talk Radio has messed up some of my stuff, but that's okay. That's okay. All right. Okay, let me give you guys. Yeah, let me give you guys a little bit of a random mechanic, and we'll be back here in just a bit.
All right, we're back. If you have any questions or if you want to, you know, relevate your experience with tarot and ritual and stuff, I highly recommend you come and join us. All you got to do is come to www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pagan Perspectives and come to the chat. Or if you'd like to talk to us, all you got to do, the number is live now. Call in 563-999-3644. And we're going to give you guys another little bit of a tune, and then we're going to continue on. This is Labana and Full Moonlight Dance here on Pagan Perspectives. album a circle is cast that was full moonlight dance by labana and we're going to touch on this for just a little bit but i think another thing that people might want to know about is the idea of we were talking earlier about uh ellen can reed's book the goddess in the tree and the witch's kabbalah well we look at the what is one for in in in, in ceremonial work what is probably the most important um glyph that we have to really work with that it influenced 100% by the tarot 
And ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about the Tree of Life. I'm looking at my Tree of Life right now. I have a poster size that's probably about three feet by five, three feet or three feet wide, six feet, something like that. It's a pretty good size. But the thing that I like about it is that every one of the Sephiroth on the Tree of Life is influenced, affected, and and shown to be uh, a part of the Tree of Life itself. You have the ones, twos, threes all the way down, and then you have the tarot that has affected the, the paths between the spheres. And it's like, that's another thing. It's like, you know, there is so much... I mean, it's it's basically, I think, the entirety of the Rider Waite deck, at least to me, is represented outside of, you know, some of the, the lesser uh, knowing ones. But, I mean, a, a majority of the uh, 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 cards are based on, you know, a, a ritual. I'm looking at the chariot. You have the black and white, and then you have uh, uh, the lady sitting uh, above the uh, lions and then you have the high priestess probably one of yours they sit she is the middle pillar she sits between bina she sits between the pillar of mercy and the pillar of severity so it's like there is so much and the empress you know every one of the cards has you know ties into that ceremonial world but i think it's also it's very fascinating because of the fact that you can see, you know, uh, what how what their influences are. And the one thing that I like about the idea of working uh, with the Tree of Life is you look at it, and you know, I'm a person I don't I I I go from top to bottom, and really that's what it is. It's because you're looking at that first Sephiroth, and that is that that is that is setting up there so high, but what we're trying to get to. Is we're trying to get past all of those Sephiroth, all those paths, and to get down between the pillars right there at that bottom last one with the multiple split and all the different colors and everything. But that bottom Sephiroth is us, and we're trying to pull all of the energy from the other Sephiroth and all of the pathways and everything to bring that into us. And that's why I said on my uh you know on my show is the fact that paganism for me and witchcraft is my expression to the world and to the outer world and to people and to animals and all that stuff but whenever you look at what the tree of life represents that is you as an example you know whenever you're looking at a pinnacle think of the rush album where it shows the pinnacle and the guy standing there with his hands in his head in the point. We are the pinnacle. We are earth, air, fire, water, and spirit. Okay? And so it's like all of those things that, that tie us to the, the symbology of the pentagram is also the, the things that tie us to the symbology of the uh, tree of life. And a lot of people are, are afraid of it. Don't be afraid of it. She, she's, she, she's, she's easy. A lot of people make it hard for no reason. Don't don't not be you know flippant about it, but understanding that when it comes to the great work and living and doing all this stuff, it's not what you're doing. You know, if you're doing grade work within any order or whatever, that's not the gist. 
It's like because that's just all outer dressing and stuff. It's what happens at home. It's what happens in your mind, your body, and your spirit. And this is the thing. It's like I'm a believer that whenever we die, we got to prepare ourselves for our next incarnation. And I think that if we work with tarot and magic, when we work with tarot, the ceremonial world, if we meditate on tarot, I, I encourage you folks that later on tonight before you go to bed, if you have a tarot deck handy, shuffle it and uh, cut it. Don't look and put that top card and then take that top card off just before you fall asleep and look at it, ingrain it, visualize it, and then chant its name and chant and chant until you can't chant no more. And then put that card back in the deck and shuffle it and do that 78 times. You got, you know, you've got a couple months there of of doing that every night until the pack's gone through or or, or a, a facsimile of the pack has gone through. And I think one thing that's cool is because not only are you doing it to ingrain it into your, your psyche and your mind, but I'm also a believer that we we don't necessarily just learn in our waking hours. I believe that we won't learn in the dream state. And I think if you put yourself in that mindset um, before you continue on to sleep and stuff like that, that you can't uh, work with the tarot in your dreams. If we can astral project and do these other things, why can't we do tarot readings in our dreams? Why, uh, that's another thing. If you decide to do some kind of, of you know, uh, working in the astral and you do decide to do a reading in your dreams, please keep a journal by your bed so that as soon as you wake up in the morning, as quick as you can while you're running to go to the bathroom, grab your book and write down your impressions of everything, what you remember, what what cards you saw, and compare what you came up with in, in your in your dream, and then see how it goes with other readings that you've done in in the in the wake world, you know, in where we are now, and you would be surprised. And you know, it's like everybody says, well, you have to be skilled, super skilled, to do these things. No, you don't. My best friend Steve, whenever I was very first moved into uh, this town years ago, I had some runs of bad luck. And I was out on the street for a while, and we used to go to this place that was like a little pool hall, and we would hang out during the day, and we would sit there, and we would drink Dr. Pepper, and I lived at a mission that I wasn't allowed. This was right around the time that I was really first starting to get into witchcraft, and I wasn't allowed to have any of my books there. If they seen any of my books underneath my bunk or around like that, I could get like completely banned because they're a Christian mission and tarot is like of the devil. So my friend kept my stuff for me and he would bring it and I would, you know, read and do whatever. And he brought his tarot cards and sometimes these cute girls would come in off the street and he'd sit there and BS with them and do readings. Well, one day this kid that never came around too often, and it was almost kind of at the, the end of fall, the beginning of winter, and this dude came around and we were in there, and he, you know, he uh, asked Steve to do a reading for him, and Steve did, and it took about 15 minutes. You know, he didn't go super deep in it. He did do a 10-card spread for him, and one of the things that – two of the things that came up 
was that there was legitimately at some point some money going to come into his 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 possession. And at that time, he was currently out of work. The kid came in. He was maybe 21 or 22, and he had been out of work for a while, and so he was hoping to get on a construction thing or something. He was a beefy kid, so he – he just had to get on with the right company and you know get going but you know fast forward to just almost to the end of winter and snow it's doing its thing and and what have you and um i'm sitting in there and one day he comes in and steve's not there cuz steve wasn't there every day steve would be there but maybe two days a week three days a week it just depends and he came in and he goes have you seen steve and i go no and he goes oh man I go, well, his wife works Kentucky Fried Chicken, so he may be over there with her or something like that. But he came in happy, and I go, well, what's the deal? And he goes, well, I wanted to give him some money for the reading that he gave me uh, here a while back. And I go, okay. And he had pulled out this big wad of cash, and actually he wasn't walking up. He drove up. It wasn't a nice car, but it was like a, a work car or something like that. And he came in, and he goes, my uncle helped me get a job with one of the uh, construction companies here in town. He goes, my uncle helped me get a car, and uh, my uncle took some of my, my inheritance and gave it to me so I could get an apartment, a good apartment, because he was living with kind of druggy people. So I could get a good apartment and stuff like that, and he gave me this money, and I wanted to find Steve and give him $100 for doing that reading for him and i go so and he goes i didn't chalk it up to you know just that but he goes the way that steve did the reading for me it kind of gave me a little bit of hope and so he was able to get out there and do the things that he needed you know and like i said we fulfill we we fulfill our own destinies but whenever you know taking a reading as it is from somebody and saying you know, okay, there's the possibility. Just because there's the possibility of money coming into your possession or whatever doesn't mean that you're going to – that's the one thing. They always want witches to give them a lot of numbers. If if witches were going to be able to do that, every witch in the world would automatically win the lottery. We, we're, we're pragmatists. We know that sometimes it's not meant for us to have that kind of you know access to cash, as it were. So it's like, you know, you may we may never win the lottery, but we can get good jobs. We can do those spells and rituals and incantations and things and drummings and stuff to influence the universe to send us people, uh, you know, foremen and and hirers at various construction sites and all that stuff. And then it's up to us to put on the show and let the man know what our you know our qualifications are, and the gods will see that you know if everything goes copacetic. You're going to have a new you have a new prospect because a lot of people work hard to get into some of these trades, and a lot of these trades nowadays can be great careers. I mean, I've known people that worked in the automobile industry. I've known people myself. I worked as in the International Brotherhood of Painters and Allied Trades, Impact, and you know, and then I've known people that were UAW and stuff like that, and it's like. There a lot of those people out there are the ones that are, you know, keeping everything going. And it's like, I wonder how many of them that are working nowadays might not realize that a lot of their people <coughs> excuse me, are 
pagans or pagan uh, adjacent because of the fact that this kid, he goes, I don't know if I could study this stuff, but he goes, he wanted to come around and talk more and maybe at another time get another reading. We never saw the young guy again, but it was so good to you know see him be in a good place and be able to uh, you know have his head held high and, and just want to come back. And I told Steve, and Steve goes, damn, I wish I would have been there. He goes, he probably wouldn't. Steve said, uh, we got bills they were trying to pay on a house that they had just tried to buy. And so they said that $100 would have come in and you know helpful but he says really that kid didn't have to pay me he goes i was just practicing that's one thing you know for me if somebody says you know uh well i'll do a reading for you but it's got to be for 90 bucks i don't care what you give me you can give me 20 bucks 40 bucks 50 bucks you can give me some honey candles uh you know clothes herb i don't care because of the simple fact that it's not about what you're getting. It's the fact that it's a mutual kind of exchange and share of energy. And then once, uh, you know, it, it's also respectful. Always the old wise tale was that you should bring a witch, whiskey, uh, whiskey, tobacco, or sex, because that's the payment for the mystery. And I don't care. Well, the sex will leave that out of the way. But if you bring me whiskey or candles, or cookies. I mean, we've had so many cool women in our group, Pam and other people that, and Helen, that would make these extremely awesome cakes and all that stuff. And they would bring it and they would go, I'm bringing this to, to you, to me specifically, because of how hard that I would work to get everything put together for the rituals and providing the place and, you know, uh, getting people together because. I mean, working as a solitary with uh, within that framework, that's fine because you can get a lot of learning done. Uh, I don't bequeath that. But on the other side, when you have the opportunity and the ability to work with other pagan brothers and sisters, it's awesome. That's why we have covens and groves and druids, druid groves and 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 you know, uh, golden dawn temples and all this stuff because of the fact that you know magic. When it's expounded on and energy added to uh, in, in the right situation can be explosive and profound. You know, we look at the idea of people talking about the witches that held back the Nazis in World War II. And there were people along with Doreen Valiente and others that had kind of been around in that era whenever that was going on. And they did try to hold back uh, the, the Nazis with a cone of power. And, you know, London went through some major stuff, uh, you know, when when they burned and all that. But it was like, you know, it, it's magic isn't just a selfish thing. It's not like, oh, we have to get this stuff because, you know, we deserve it or whatever. We can use magic to help people. That's why whenever you do readings, I'm not doing a reading for somebody because of the fact that I want money. I'm doing it because they got a question. And that's why if anybody comes to me and they're like really legitimately busted, uh, a lot of times they'll say, well, I don't have any stuff, but how much would you charge me? And I don't charge because – charge, charge, because if you say that word here in Missouri, they could take it as you're like trying to scam people. So I have to say this is for entertainment purposes only, blah, 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 blah. But 
what I do is I say, you don't have to give me 90 bucks. Come over and hang out sometime. Or your wife makes good good tacos. You two come over and bring a tray of tacos and hang out with me and stuff. You know, just fellowship, those kind of things. It doesn't have to be anything overly crazy or off the wall for us to, you know, to to go through that. And the tarot, you know, and the tarot, another thing is I think one thing, tarot is the gateway drug. I always say marijuana is the gateway drug to heroin. Tarot is the gateway drug to astrology. I'm really big into astrology, which we are going to have a pagan's astrology show here soon. Um, I'm big on numerology, and I'm also into big into working with stones, rune stones, uh, colored stones, and stuff like that, uh, 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 laying cloths to put the stones on. I also have the pendulum. I love the pendulum. The pendulum is an energy all to itself. Also, the only thing that I don't have a lot of of experience with is I have a little bit of uh, background with the ogham. But the other thing is I'm not too – I know what the what they can mean, but palmistry is kind of not on my wheelhouse, okay? So, you know, reading palms. And I'm really not that good with tea leaves. I can try. I think I do better with – for that kind of thing, tea leaves are kind of trying to write, read the images after you flip the cup. I think for me, I do better with things as like water scrying. Uh, also, black mirror, you know, because you, you and and you know the the wine glass planchette kind of thing, because of the fact that you know our our, our I think we gravitate towards stuff differently. And for me, it's always going to be some kind of cardomancy. Uh, and it's just like I can say is just be very mindful of your cards. Another thing is. I, the, the thing that kind of and – and I don't like to be mean about it, but it's like you've always got people, especially if I've got cards charging out in an, on an altar, you'll have people that don't know anything, and when they come in, they'll run right over to the altar and start picking up the cards and looking at them and say, hey, you mind if I – when they're looking at it, they didn't ask first. They go over there, and they start picking up stuff and moving things around, and it's like – you know, we are a little bit uh, overly sensitive about our tchotchkes, but whenever we know what is set up on our altars and why and stuff like that and, and you know, what the purpose they're there for, you know, it can be a little bit frustrating when our lesser-known friends come around and, you know, disrupt those things. But I'd be – I'm very nice. I just ask them, please don't. And another thing is like I definitely steer the kids away. And the reason why I have to steer the kids away is because they're normally little ones that put everything in their mouth. And A, I don't want them putting the stones on my altar on their mouth because some of them have residue from uh, incense, and I don't want them getting all choked up on that. And then what do little kids do? They love to chew on stuff. And I had a deck of Phoenix cards that I had out on my altar once, and this little three-year-old guy, this little, little pip dude, Went over there. He's a good little kid, but he's still a pain in the butt. But he was a good little kid. He went over there, and he's I, the deck is like twenty eight cards, and he chewed up like all but eight of them, because I had to you know maintain the conversation that I have with people, and I and I asked him you know get away, and I had to turn my attention away, 
and stuff. And it's like the parents weren't very, uh, uh, you know, keeping the kid out of trouble type thing. And so, you know, anytime that you know that you're going to have little ones, I think if you know you're going to have little, little, little ones, don't have your altar out open. Close it up. Put things off of it. Make it as empty because in that way, there's nothing on there for the little guy or girl to grab a hold of and get sick on and all that stuff. Got to be careful. That's one thing I always tell people as a priest. It's my duty to kind of be vigilant for the things that are in my home and in ritual space because simple fact that, you know, every, p- different people can be injured, hurt, or, you know, psychically messed with in so many different ways by, you know, being, you know, just thinking everything's okay. Double check. Make sure, like if you're working with candles, I have this fairly good-sized uh, uh, uh red uh fire extinguisher over there but also if that fire extinguisher goes out i've got a great big five gallon bucket that i use for fermenting which i'm not using right now but i keep that in there and i keep it at least halfway full full of water so i can throw it real fast on something if it starts to catch so you know it's just always be uh safety first safety minded and so on and so forth because then that way uh you'll have a better experience and, you know, we're going to get ready to end up the show here in about 18 minutes or so. And so we're going to have some more good music. But before we get off, I'm going to let you guys know over this next month, we're going to be getting closer and closer to that giveaway. So if you want to be included in the giveaway for the copy, brand new-ish, it's in very good shape. The The cover's not bent on it or anything. Copy of... The Witch's Bible by Janet and Stuart Fair. Send me an email to Salinas93SYLVANUS93 at hotmail.com. And in the subject, put witchcraft book. And then down in the main body, give me a name and just say, hey, I want to be in this drawing. And we'll put you in the drawing for that. And then, like I said, Lisa Wagner is going to be on the show in April. And we're going to have her book up. uh, And we're going to have a great uh, interview with her. And next week, uh, people in Raven Temple on Facebook have been asking for something like this. So what I'm going to do, we're going to have an episode next week that is basically titled, What is Siax Wicca? We're going to talk about uh, Raymond Buckland, Big Blue, the Tree, a Book of Saxon Witchcraft, and we're kind of really going to deep dive in, in what this is all about. And I think you guys will uh, really enjoy that, and we're just going to be continuing on. And just know that this show, you can take it with you at the end of the program. It'll take about five minutes, and they'll get it up here on the cloud with the little download button. And like I say, it's just been a whirlwind in such a very short time. Uh, I was surprised to see that, you know, in the short time that uh, the show was up, we had 60 – well, currently, the number reads 60,684 downloads, and then the total – for what I've been doing with the Spotify Audacity shows and coming into this, we're just under a hundred, you know, listens or whatever away from 2000. And that is blowing my mind because I didn't think this show would do that good on Spotify, but I thought, well, you know, now that we're bringing it back here on blog talk radio, let's just see where it can go. What the pagan community can, you know, glean from what we're doing. And we're going to have a lot more interviews. I'm, I'm trying to get some bands, a pagan band or two, 
to maybe come on and talk to us about their music. We're going to talk to leaders of the community, like we did shows with Kasura Sarah, the Mike Nichols, and Selena Fox, and others. I'm looking to see about possibly being, uh, and we did Raven Gramasi, looking to have people like Christopher Penzak, uh, you know, people that are a part of Covenant Goddess. And it was with great sadness that I must announce of that just this week we lost esteemed author Ed Fitch, founder of the Pagan Way, author of the uh, Magical Rites of the Crystal Well, which I have my copy right here next to me. And he also wrote the book uh, The Rites of Odin, and he has some works on ceremonial magic and some other things. And it was just so – you know, he was one of the founding members of the Covenant of the Goddess. And so it was just like it was it was sad, but you know, Ed Fitch and all of these others from back in those early seventies days and late sixties were the ones that gave us the foundation and kind of the you know, early philosophies that came into a lot of the traditions that we practice within witchcraft and ceremonial magic and so on and so forth like that. So it's like we honor him, I say hail and farewell. And we know that, you know, he will become an honored ancestor, and, you know, we will look at his – matter of fact, I'm looking at several of his books. I have Magical Rites from the Crystal Well, The Rites of Odin, and some of his other works, and so Ed Fitch was a very important part of the pagan community, and it's like just think about him. Light a candle for him on your altar this week and appreciate somebody that was very a very, very important part of the pagan community um and like i say we're gonna give you guys a little bit more music and then we're gonna sign out but first we're gonna go ahead and give you some spell singer from sona this is on my honor here on pagan perspectives <clears throat> Change your thing. 
Go to sleep, dream you deep, where the memories keep, but return to your mama, little baby. Your sire was the fire of a moment's desire, but he's gone and forgotten, little baby. I will come if you call to me, call to me, call to me. And I hear my baby wailing, set me free, set me free. When you wake at daybreak, for your true mother's sake, say a blessing for me, little baby. the fairy shaman himself Gwydion Penderwin and the song was Crone's Lullaby and before that what was Spellsinger of Sona singing On My Honor and it has been really cool hanging out with everyone tonight. I just want to let you know we've gone over a lot of information so what I'm going to do is after the show's over I'm going to go through and go to the show notes and I'm going to put down the names of all the books that we talked about tonight. Uh, also I will put all of the links to Raven Temple the Patreon, and and I'll give you guys more information about the giveaway coming up and, and things that we have going on. 
And also, um, probably within the next – I'm going to say at least by Monday, what I'll do is I'll do an addendum and come back into every episode and put the link to our official uh, uh, Pain Perspectives Discord. I have so many discords that I need to take care of. Uh, uh, one of them is our Golden Dawn one, um, and it's like – so I'm going to try to get that going again. I've got so many things going on, uh, uh, you know, so it's like, you know, we've got that. But I want to give you guys a little bit more of a, uh, you know, a, a hands-on thing. The Golden Dawn, uh, the groups, my group that's on Facebook has been having some weird things going on. So I've been kind of having to keep distant from it for a little while. But, you know, it's like we've got a lot of stuff happening, and it's because the spring is coming. But don't be surprised, folks. Everything's all nice and hot and juicy out there. But I have a feeling that last little bit of winter is going to pop its heads out, kick our butt for a couple of days, and then give it to us. Because I kind of hope that that does happen because of the simple fact that I don't know about you, but I am very, 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 very ready for Beltane. And if you are in the Springfield and, and vicinity area, Springfield, Missouri, come and join us. We're going to be doing Beltane April 27th at Phelps Grove Park. We're going to have ritual. We're going to have food. We're going to run the kids ragged. Uh, we may have a maypole uh, and some of these other things. So there's going to be a lot going on, and we invite those of you that are within driving or ear distance to come and join us then. And then we've got all kinds of other stuff happening. And I hope you've got some stuff happening. If you've got something going on in your world, send me an email, smash93 at hotmail.com, S-Y-L-V-A-N-U-S 93, and send me some news. Let me know what's going on in your world, what's going on with your temple, your druid grove, your ceremonial lodge, whatever. If you've got somebody that's getting ready to initiate or if you have – uh, a you know a, a boys or girls rite of passage ritual getting ready to happen, or just anything that you consider that's newsworthy in your area for the pagan and magical community, send it and I will mention it here on the show. We'll get the information out there to the people and let you guys know out there that we are proud to be connected. That's why I do this show also. It's because of the fact that whenever whenever we were doing the show. From uh, 2009 to 2012 and stuff, it was like there were a lot of people around the world that would hear the show and would want to, you know, know about witchcraft and druidry and everything else that was associated with it. And it was so fun, and I want to continue that legacy. I want to spread it out there. That's why we're going to have great music, great guests, great topics, great giveaways. And we're going to start doing book reviews, like just straight up really getting in and giving you guys some thoughts on some of the standard books that have been put out there for people over the years and stuff like that. And uh, it would be – I think it would be my my honor if I could get people to come on the show like Lon Milo Duquette. Uh, Poke Runyon, bless his heart, before he passes because he's getting up there in years. Also, folks like Chicken Sandra Tabitha Cicero, and so on and so forth, and you know Judica Illis and Stephanie Gramasi, and so on and so forth. There's a lot of interviews that I'm working on because I think the more that we can immortalize this, 
you know, in some fashion for the people to, you know, have the access to. Uh, that's why every single episode of the show, I get it, and I'm going to start – well, I already do – download it to my drive, and then once I get it downloaded to my drive, I put that onto another jump drive, and then that jump drive goes into another computer, and I use that computer because it has a DVD drive, and that's why I burn off all of that information so that I have all kinds of access to the shows and stuff so that way – if something happens with uh, Block Talk Radio or so on and so forth, that we have, you know, the ability to have those shows available for you. But uh, we're getting ready to go off the air. I just want to say thank you very much uh, and pass the show along. And I love you all and blessed be. And next week, like I say, next Thursday at seven o'clock, we're going to be talking about what is CX Wicca. Until next time, I am your host. Reverend Sylvanus Walker of the Order of Standing Oak and Raven Temple of CX Wicca. Until next time, blessed be. Have you been putting off that oil change? Your vehicle is one of your biggest investments. So drive into Valvoline Instant Oil Change. Stay in the comfort of your car and get a quality Valvoline oil change all in about 15 minutes. They also do an 18-point maintenance check to keep your car road-ready, quick, easy, and trusted. That's what you get at Valvoline Instant Oil Change. Go to VIOC.com for coupons and locations. That's Valvoline Instant Oil Change, VIOC.com. Switch to Extreme Internet and save. Call today to lock in a low price and get a $100 credit with any internet package. Get download speed options from 100 meg up to 1 gig and power every room with Whole Home Wi-Fi 360 Pro. Don't let your $100 credit slip away. Call 844-4FASTER or visit Extreme.com today. Offer available to new customers only. Download speeds may vary and subject to a monthly downstream usage allowance. Bill credit of $100 will be credited to your bill evenly over four months beginning 30 days after installation.